It's another political edition of Talk of the Town. We talk to yet another candidate from the riding of Simcoe Gray, representing the Green Party of Canada. We say hello to Sherry Jackson. Sherry, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Sherry, we're going to start by having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and why you sought your party's nomination to run for this office. Okay, well, I'm a musician. I'm a local musician. Um, I uh, used to be the owner of Hummingbird Montessori School, which I sold to my sister last year, um, and decided at that time I was going to pursue music with a more serious focus and uh, also do a little bit of writing and some editing still to keep my hand in the game. And uh, this kind of came up out of the blue, and uh, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time, so I, so I decided to, to give it a go. Sherry, one of the things we want to do is look at, there's a number of issues, and now you've had to talk about all of the big hot-button issues federally, but we want to talk about some of the more local issues. We've had the opportunity to talk to many uh, groups and, and, and politicians from other levels of government locally, and here are some of the questions that, that's on the top of their minds. Yeah. The area is expanding in population in Simcoe Gray. It's quite a large electoral district. Mm -hmm. So transit is something that's on the top of a lot of people's minds. Simcoe County just launched their new Lynx Transit Service. Mm -hmm. How do you, what's the way that you believe we should be looking at to get people around the region? Well, we actually have a national plan for transportation. Um, And we're looking at rail, going back to rail as an opportunity that we have kind of moved away from. Um, and, you know, Canada doesn't do rail the rest of the way the rest of the world does. You know, if you go to Europe, you can get anywhere on a train really, really fast. And we're talking about bringing Canada into that kind of a realm, um, which means that we need more high-speed rail. Um, we also need light rail services between our high-speed rail, and we need buses. And part of that is all our strategy um, to get to all parts of Canada, not just the big hubs that need that. Um, especially for our youth and our seniors, we need transportation that's reliable, that's safe, that's affordable. And we're also looking at transportation that is going to be electric and sustainable. So even though uh, roads and transportation is sometimes considered a provincial issue, you see this as also a federal responsibility. Yeah, it's a federal responsibility because we owe our people the ability to get around from place to place. That's that's part of being Canadian. We used to have, you know, a transnational rail system where people took the train wherever they wanted to go and it was easy to get there. And we're talking about getting back to that kind of a kind of a convenience for people. It also makes sense when you're talking about trying to eliminate the amount of traffic that's on the road and trying to decrease our carbon footprint. Sherry, as you probably know, the this region is uh, certainly the residents of the region very strongly support the arts. What are your views on the federal government supporting the arts? What existing programs would you like to see continued or expanded? What federal programs would you change or discontinue? Mm-hmm. Well, <coughs> Excuse me. I have a little cough. <laughs> um, the arts and culture are really important for Canadians in general because we have, you know, we've moved away from funding them in such a strong way that we're missing. We've got a lot of gaps. And so we need to start reinvesting in our arts and culture. We look at it from a perspective of how do we create sustainable, high-paying, good jobs. And the arts and culture are one way to do that because there are zero emissions in arts and culture. And you can create amazing job opportunities for people by funding uh, more arts and 
and culture within the communities. Um, you know, we have a really vibrant art and culture, um, you know, following in this area. Lots of people are, you know, going to the Gaiety, they're going to Meaford Hall, they're going to all kinds of places. And um, we need to make sure that our communities are keeping a portion of that money instead of seeing it going out of our uh, our direct community. We've got a really, really strong um, number of, of artists in our area too that aren't getting the benefit of that funding and aren't getting the benefit of being supported um, as artists as a profession. And uh, as you know, John, you know, when you're a musician, it's really, really hard to be a full-time musician because you don't get a lot of, you know, support from that um, financially with the online online uh, recordings and those kinds of things. So so there needs to be a lot more of an investment that goes into our arts and culture, um, and some of that money can come from other places that we're currently investing in that we don't necessarily need to continue investing in. What do you feel about the federal government supporting a local arts centre here in South Georgian Bay? Yeah, I think that would be brilliant. I think it would it would be fascinating. I think um, those kinds of initiatives are are forward thinking. They're looking at what can that bring to the community as what's what as opposed to what is it going to cost the community. And investing in communities in that way, especially in a place that is so tourist uh, driven, um, it will be really really important for our economy, for our local economy especially. We talked about population growth a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Anyone who has been here before, they can look around and see that there's a lot of development going on. Sure. And that comes with population increase, but there's also the environmental concerns about development. How do you balance the two developers wanting, and in some cases with population growth, needing to make new places, but environmental concerns from groups and individuals as well? Yeah. We're really, we're really keen on um, economic development, but it has to come in balance with fiscal responsibility and social responsibility and environmental responsibility. So we can't just have wild, uncontrolled growth because our population is growing. We need to make sure that we're being um, smart about it and that we involve all levels of government to make sure that things aren't you know, going off the rails. Right now, our governments are kind of s- separated. They don't communicate with each other well, and it makes it hard for development to happen in a cohesive way. And so we need to make sure that all three levels of our government and also including uh, Indigenous governments are all working together in order to make decisions that make sense for the community. Hmm. Another part of development is business and small businesses, especially. And Collingwood has been recognized as one of the big places that entrepreneurship is alive and well in Ontario and in Canada. What do you think the federal government's role is in supporting small businesses what are they doing already that you like and what can you what do you think could be changed yeah i think uh supporting small business is huge um we give an awful lot of subsidies and grants and tax breaks to really really large corporations but the majority of of industry and business in canada is small business um up you know 98 percent of our uh, economy is driven by companies that have 100 or less employees. So our small businesses need the same amount of support, if not more support, than our corporate um, interests do. And uh, we need to look at helping small businesses. You know, small businesses pay an extreme amount of payroll taxes. Um, it gets really difficult once you're in that bracket between 
and, you know, doing it all yourself as most entrepreneurs do when you start out. It's your business. You do everything by yourself. And then you grow to a point when you're successful where you can't do everything yourself anymore, but you also can't afford to make the changes that you need in order to get the help that you need. So we need to look at making it easier for small businesses and, and helping small businesses keep more of the money that they actually generate. Um, we, d- we need to relook at our taxation system. Um, we have to increase the corporate tax rate on really, really big businesses. Currently, right now, we're only paying, uh, they're only paying 15% as opposed to the United States, which is paying 21%. Um, we need to put that back in line. But we have to make sure that our small businesses don't get caught in that um, because small businesses can't afford that kind of an increase in taxation. So we have to make sure that they stay at a level that's affordable for them. We also need to make sure that we're, when we're legislating, that we're taking into consideration the effect that that legislation has on small business, because sometimes it seems like a really good idea when you're talking about a big business, but when you filter it down to what it's actually going to cost or, or do to a small business, you have to make sure that you're not doing damage to the people that you need to support. With Base Borden in Angus and the 4th Canadian Division Training Centre next door in Meaford, there's a great deal of our residents connected to the Canadian military. What are your thoughts on the current military spending levels? How do you see the federal government supporting military families and veterans looking for financial aid? Yeah, um, we need to support our veterans. We need to support our families who are working for us in uh, in such an important way. Um, we have a problem right now. We're we're investing a lot of funds in buying. Uh, buying or uh, supporting Saudi Arabia with arms and with uh, um, you know weaponry and things like that, we need to stop doing that. Uh, Saudi Arabia has atrocious human rights issues that need to be um, we need to be separated from. Um, we we see Canada's role in defense as a uh, as returning to a peacekeeping um, as opposed as opposed to a um, active duty. Um, and helping, you know, re, helping to reestablish uh, places after conflict has occurred. Um, we see a lot of uh, our military being used for uh, climate emergencies, helping with uh, flood, um, trying to prevent uh, places from being damaged by incoming uh, emergencies and climate catastrophes that are, that are happening at a more and more uh, profound level. Uh, part of, as well, the growth in the region is the lack of affordable or attainable housing. And that has to do with certainly the seasonal workers that come to our area, but also, uh, as some people may or may not know, Simcoe County and Gray County do have a fair amount of people who are living on the streets. Yeah. And so what role do you think and do you think the Fed, the federal government should have in supporting the construction of affordable housing. Yes, absolutely. We, in fact, want to add affordable and safe and secure housing to the Charter of Rights. We think that affordable and safe and secure housing and shelter is a human right, and it should be included um, for all Canadians. Um, We want to implement a national uh, housing plan across Canada, and we uh, we want to appoint a national housing minister who would be responsible for making sure that every Canadian has safe and affordable housing and shelter. Um, you know, as you know, in our area, we have a problem because we don't have an emergency shelter, which means we have lots of people who are living on the street. Um, that's not safe. And that puts a lot of people at risk who shouldn't be mostly youth. 
Um, we have an, an extremely large population of youth who are homeless and who have um, insecurity in their housing, and we need to make sure that we're looking after those kids. A lot of people are uh, talking about political reform. Uh, it was, certainly was a uh, an issue in the last election. Yeah. Uh, where do you stand in, in in respect to certainly federally, but does even look at provincial uh, reform and governance review uh, that could tear apart communities? Where do you feel on, uh, on both those issues? Yeah. Well, we we are all for electoral reform. Um, we would like to eliminate first past the post. I know we've heard that before, (laughs) Um, but we really, really are serious about that. Um, It's important for us to have proportional representation in Canada because that is what a fair and um, equitable democracy demands. Um, We also are interested in creating uh, a council of Canadian governments, which will be kind of uh, an amalgamation of all levels of government working together on high priority issues. So there'll be representatives from municipalities, from provincial uh, government, from federal government and from Indigenous governments that all work together on those high priority issues to try to make more of a cohesive uh, decision-making and hopefully streamline some of that. Um, we also would like to lower the voting age to 16 um, because if you look at what's actually happening on this planet, we have an extremely informed, extremely vocal youth movement um, in regard to climate change, and they are demanding change from us, and yet they don't have a voice in their own government. So we think it's critically important for those people to be included in the conversation. There's been huge gains made by the Greens provincially since the last federal election all over the country. In BC, they're forming the confidence. In PEI, they're the opposition. And even here in Ontario, Mike Schreiner has been elected as a uh, member of the provincial parliament. Mm -hmm. What do you chalk that success up to? I chalk it up to people actually paying attention to what our platform says. You know, for a long time, people thought that the Greens were only, you know, about environmentalism, that we were a one-party issue, and that's all that there was. Um, Elizabeth May recently said that we are a one-party issue, and that issue is Canada. Um, We are really, really interested in making sure across the board things are fair for people. Um, And it's really a challenge um, in this day and age to be, um, you know, in the political arena uh, with so many different uh, changes happening and people wanting different things. Um, I think that we're just appealing to a, a, a broader number of people who are looking at the options very, very seriously. And um, I feel like that we're getting more and more polarized um, in our political views, but we're not getting more polarized in our uh, in our values as Canadians. And Canadian values haven't really changed. We, we're still multicultural, we're still tolerant, we're still diverse, we're still you know, peaceful, we're still polite. <laughs> and uh, we, we are, I think, appealing to that. Um, I think people are just tired of the same old, same old and looking for something new. Uh, Sherry, how should the community follow your campaign or specifically reach out to you if they have further questions? Yeah, you can email me at Gray at greenparty.ca. You can go to my webpage, which is sherryjackson.greenparty.ca. And you can follow me on social media at uh, Gray. Sherry Jackson for the Green Party of Canada, running for Member of Parliament for the riding of Simcoe Gray. Thank you so much for taking time to join us on Talk of the Town. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here.